0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 3rd, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Newly minted Senator Rand Paul would like to cut $500 billion out of the federal budget this year. On the chopping block is about 40% of the Department of Homeland Security. Cato Institute legal policy analyst David Ritgers, author of a forthcoming report on abolishing the Department of Homeland Security, comments. Well, let me start by saying that I think that the Department of Homeland Security is a pretty ill-conceived umbrella for 22 former agencies that used to belong elsewhere. So I would start with abolishing, but if we're going to go with reducing, there's a lot of things that we can do uh, to put meat on the bones of that 40 percent that will be productive for the taxpayer. Uh, I'll talk about three things. First, let's talk about grants uh, that go to states and localities, uh, mostly in areas that are properly – uh, goals achieved with the funds of those states and localities and, and not federal funds. Second, we can talk about the structure of DHS. Uh, there are some savings I think we can we can eke out of uh, reducing the number of agencies under the umbrella of DHS. So first, moving to grants, uh, we give out about $3 billion a year to states and localities via DHS, uh, a total of about $31 billion since 9-11. Uh, this funding is is corrosive to any sense of fiscal federalism that state and local leaders really should be exercising. Uh, for a bit of perspective, we faced larger threats, truly existential threats, and we didn't feel the need to spend a bunch of federal money and remove the incentive for states and localities to exercise fiscal discipline. Uh, going back to uh World War II, they had the Office of Civil Defense that coordinated air raids, uh, rescue teams and, and whatnot in in response to the threat of what they perceived as as bombing raids by uh, the Germans and Japanese. Uh, none of this was achieved with federal funding, and coordination is cheap. And when you say coordination is cheap, you mean a few guys who are helping states and localities do things that will enhance their own security at some cost to them perhaps, but helping arrange those resources. Right. So in that example, that was uh, putting all of the cities on the same blackout policy. So in the event of an air raid, then there wouldn't be one locality or jurisdiction that didn't turn off the lights in the city and became an easy target. Uh, and I think that that's sort of a useful frame of reference with today. There has to be a, a sort of a, a sharing of information and a standardization of some procedures, uh, not on the basis that the, that the federal government should spend a bunch of money to make this happen or coerce the states into doing it via the tax and spend clause. Uh, but I think that there are things that we can achieve and just encouraging cooperation for what are clearly in everyone's best interests. The grant system that we have right now does not achieve that. So I'll give about 30 seconds of history here on, on the history of the grant system. Right after nine eleven, 11 we were scared of what might happen next. And so we took a bunch of money and threw it out to the states. At that time, the Congress was in Republican hands and there are pro, uh, two programs, a state-centric program, state homeland security program. Uh, And there's an urban program, the uh, Urban Area Security Initiative. The state program received the focus under Republicans. When Congress flipped in uh, 2006, the amount going to the states was reduced uh, and the urban uh, area program took prominence and what used to be the core uh, seven uh, and ten – terrorist target cities that one might expect, major urban areas like New York, uh, has now grown to over 60. And uh, just in the last fiscal year, Bakersfield, California was added to this list. Uh, So we've shifted money around, but there is a a status quo bias that supports spending $3 billion a year, no matter what, no matter who it goes to, that will go to uh, states and localities. This is a corrosive – Uh, federal expenditure. It destroys fiscal federalism and it contributes to the long-term funding problems that we have. Uh, The public pension crisis that is impending is certainly hurt by this Uh, and the states that are going to be coming looking for a bailout will part of the reason that they've been able to both spend money on these public pensions uh, irresponsibly uh, and spend themselves into debt uh, is because the federal government has removed the need for them to uh, live within their means. This is a core part of that and it's a core part of state and local functions. Local policing, local fire departments receive billions in grants every year. And and in fact, with the, uh, the stimulus funds, uh, for the first time, firefighting grants uh, jumped the shark and went not just from – not just for paying for some firefighters or the recruiting of firefighters but to actually building firehouses and, and that's symbolic. There's nothing more local than building your local firehouse. That's not something that should get done with federal funds. Uh, so, so that's, that's – I think that's where we can take – make a lot of money in restoring fiscal sanity with regard to grants. Uh, let's talk about structure. As I said, there are 22 former uh, – Uh, agencies lumped up under the Department of Homeland Security. Um, Now this structure doesn't make sense in a lot of ways and actually the hearings for the creation of the Department of Homeland Security are very instructive as to what kind of monster we're creating. Uh, We have two sets of biological warfare experts. in the federal government, one at DHS and one at Health and Human Services at HHS, which, uh, as one lawmaker described, as like having two uh, two fires, two two fire departments in your local uh, jurisdiction—one for house fires and one for uh, business fires. That's ridiculous. Uh, so we've taken this; we've created a a, a duplication of federal funding to largely the same efforts, uh, we end up spending and wasting a lot of money unnecessarily in that. Uh, And span of control is also something we should talk about here. The span of control is how many subordinates or in this case subordinate agencies a manager can actually handle efficiently. 22 subordinate agencies is an unreasonable span of control uh, for the number – for for any manager to really – handle efficiently. If adding more agencies to one cabinet head was was a more efficient way of doing things, we would have one person in the cabinet, the secretary of government, and we would be done with it. We do not because that is not sensible management policy or a structure that works. Uh, so why do we do this with Homeland Security? So I think that there should be real discussion uh, about shuttering. Uh, or cutting out the pieces of the department that don't make sense to try and administer this way. Now, there's an ancillary problem with this large structure. Uh, There's about 70 federal buildings within the District of Columbia, within the capital region supporting the Department of Homeland Security. That's too many. So in southeast D.C. at the site of uh, the St. Elizabeth's uh, Mental Hospital – now, uh, the federal government bought all this land and now we're building a massive headquarters campus for all of the Department of Homeland Security. So we're going to spend uh, you know, $3 billion to build this for an expected savings of about $400 million spread out over 30 years. Now, only in D.C. and only in the federal government is that really considered saving money. Uh, but if we look at this construction project as a sunk cost, which it probably is once you take a spade to earth, you're probably not going to unbuild something. Uh, we still have to look at the fact that even with this massive construction project, which will be the single largest federal construction project since building the Pentagon, uh, we are not going to fit all of the subordinate agencies of DHS inside of this new headquarters. And The uh, DHS is already looking at renting office space adjacent to the site. If that is the situation we're facing, it's time to take a hard look at who's in DHS. If we're going to commit to building this, then let's cut out the pieces that don't fit. The Secret Service isn't going to move there anyway. They are charged with enforcing uh, uh, currency violations for uh, fake currency. They would belong under Treasury. Do they have a protective duty for the president and and key governmental governmental figures? Sure, that's fine. That doesn't have to be under DHS. Uh, at, once again, the Health and Human Services (DHS) split between federal biological warfare scientists is ridiculous. Uh, FEMA plans to move to the new headquarters. FEMA is actually the uh, holder of the grant programs that I mentioned uh, that are uh, are so wasteful uh, and, and really can't be justified under any kind of you know fiscal federalism. Uh, analysis. Uh, so let's take a look at these departments and see what doesn't fit, what can we cut out, uh, and, and what doesn't belong in this new headquarters if we are going to build it. David Ritgers is a legal policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his writing on DHS, security, and civil liberties at cato.org.